This is Celebration Church, but it's more than just a building or a church. We have a calling to be a place where people can find a relationship with God instead of religion. A place where freedom is found and acceptance given, and every person can discover their purpose and experience the kind of fulfillment only God can give. Together we will raise, lead, and empower a generation to change the world. Here, Jesus is famous, and all the glory goes to God. This is celebration. This is our family. Welcome home. Hello, hello, there we go. Hi, everybody. And greetings to our campuses over in Appleton and Stevens Point on this wonderful evening. I guess it's going to get really stormy later is the plan. So I'm always cheering that my lights will go out. <laughs> Have I told you this story behind this? I repeat my story so often. So anyway, when we first came to Green Bay, lights would go out in our neighborhood, you know, a couple of times and stuff. And it's fairly common around the city. Lights will go out where Phil lives. It goes out all the time, you know. So, so I thought, you know... I'm going to get a generator. So I went and got this. Of course, I can't get the smallest generator. I've got to get like a yo mama off the crazy wall generator. So this thing is fed with natural gas. So it's automatically will fire up at any given moment. If the electricity goes off, it immediately fires up. And then it switches over. And then lights come on. And then as soon as the regular lights come on, it seamlessly switches back in a split second. You don't even see it. And then it cools itself down and shuts itself off. So I thought, I'm going to be the only guy in the neighborhood lights. Since the day I bought that generator, the lights have never gone out. Not one time. It is highly irritating. Even in the worst of the storm, we're going, come on, knock them out, knock them out. So like last year, remember when, when uh, parts of Bellevue went out? In the, the restaurants and stuff, they couldn't serve or anything. I thought, yes, finally, Bellevue. And I ran to my house. It was still on. So I don't know what's going on. The key to never having the electricity go out is get a generator, and it'll never, you'll never need it. It just scares it away. So I don't know. So if I'm lucky, the lights will go off. You guys can come over to my house. Anyway, all right. We are uh, doing a Bible study tonight. I want to talk to you about prayer. I want to start uh, with James, the fifth chapter, verse 16. Which says what? Therefore, confess your sins to each other. I guess I don't need this yo mama sweater. Therefore, confess, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other. Thank you, sir. So that you may be healed. Not going to talk about that. I just want to have this last part of the verse. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. So the Bible refers to powerful and effective prayer. So one has to assume if there is effective prayer, there must by logic be ineffective prayer. What decides the two? So I want to start at the beginning, and I mean literally at the beginning, Genesis chapter 1, verse 1. It says, In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God hovered over the waters. And then God said, everybody say, God said. And God said, let there be light. And there was light. Verse 6 says, And God said, Let there be a vault between the waters to separate water from water. Verse 9, And God said, Let the water under the sky be gathered to one place and let dry ground appear. And it was so. Verse 11, Then God said, 
Let the land produce vegetation, seed-bearing plants and trees on the land that bear fruit with seed in it, according to their various kinds, and it was so. Verse 14, and God said, getting a pattern here, let there be lights in the vault of the sky to separate the day from night, and let them serve as signs to mark sacred times, days, and years, and let them be lights in the vault of the sky to give light on the earth, and it was so. Verse 20, and God said, let the water teem with living creatures and let birds fly above the earth across the vault of the sky. Verse 24, and God said, let the land produce living creatures according to their kinds, the livestock creatures that move along the ground, the wild animals, each according to its kind, and it was so. And then God said, verse 26, let us make mankind in our own image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish and the sea and the birds in the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created mankind in his own image, in the image of God. He created them male and female. He created them. God said. You remember those old commercials when, what was that <laughs> investing firm? When they speak, people listen. What was it? E.F. Hutton. E.F. Hutton, yeah. When E.F. Hutton talks, people listen. You know, there's a big commercial thing several years, many years ago. But uh, when God speaks, the universe listens. And it says when he, he would, over and over again, he would say it. He would literally speak it into existence. Interesting, he didn't think it. Why didn't he think it? He could have just went, <laughs> like, bewitched. I'm really aging myself with these old TV commercials and, and shows, right? She just, you know, boom, magic would happen. No, no, no. He'd say it. Whenever he would say it, boom, things would happen. There is something truly powerful about the spoken word. We are, at the end of that, said we are made in the image of God. We are the reflection of God. As far as Satan is concerned, one of the reasons that Satan hates you so much is you remind him of, guess who? God. You kind of look like him, the way you're shaped, the way, I mean, God looks kind of like a person. Not that a person's like God, it's just God is God, and we are just a reflection of this. And he hates, he hates us. And we're unique in that uh, regard of any of the creatures on the earth, and pretty much even in heaven, um, you know, when you read in the Old Testament of when they'd have a vision of heaven, they'd see angels with wings and some guys would have like six wings and like, like giant dragonflies <laughs> flying around and faces like lions and all these kind of different things. Like, oh, these, were, these are the creatures of God around the throne talking to God and praising God and worshiping God. They don't exactly look like him. Apparently, we look like him. You remind Satan of God. He hates God. He hates you. Since there's great power in the spoken word when God speaks, there is also great power when we speak it. There's something very effective when you say it. You know, psychologists say that if you were to go to the Grand Canyon and you're standing there and you're looking at this incredible scene and it's amazing and overwhelming. They say you can't truly experience it, the fullness of it, until you say, wow, isn't it beautiful? 
There's something about saying it that has great power. That complete, you could just stand there and go think it. But it's not the same. Now, thinking is great. Thinking has its place. But there's something powerful about saying something. It's difficult to feel loved by someone if they never say it. You know, (laughs) I make fun of guys who, you know, they never say, tell their wives they love them. I say, well, I told you I loved you once. If anything changes, I'll let you know. You know, this is not very reassuring. I say, well, they can tell. They can, you know, these guys lacking. I don't know what their problem is. They don't want, they don't want to say it. Well, they know because I work hard. And no, no, no. If you don't say it, it's hard for people to feel it. Why is that? Well, isn't it enough that I... No, actually, it's not. Why is that? Because you're made in the image of God and there's something powerful about the spoken word. When you speak it, it has a great impact. Proverbs, the 18th chapter, verse 21. Fascinating verse in the scriptures. It says this, the tongue has the power of life and death and those who love it will eat its fruit. Those who understand this power will benefit greatly from this power of life and death. And he's not exaggerating like I've been known to do. (laughs) He means it. Literally, the power of life and death in your life lies right here in the power of the tongue. Do you speak life or death in your life? It's interesting. People whose lives are just miserable, pay attention. Listen to them. All they speak is death. Well, this is terrible. I hate this. People that are stupid in-laws and they're friends and slacker. They're always grumbling and griping and complaining and they are walking in a constant state of death. Their health is horrible. They got aches and pains they never thought were possible and then they complain about that. Complain about the doctor who didn't catch it earlier. Just speak death constantly. You get around truly happy people. Listen to the way they talk. They're positive. They're uplifting. Now, it would be a mistake to say, no, the reason they speak positively because their life is so good. Or the reason they speak negatively is because their life is so bad. Nay, 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 I say nay. It's the other way around. The reason their life is so miserable is they constantly are speaking death. The reason why these other people's lives do so well is they're constantly speaking life. How do you speak over your life? This life and death actually can affect you directly, much less the people around you. How do you speak over yourself? Do you speak life and encouragement to yourself? Or you're like so many multiple millions of people who always talk down to themselves. I'm no good. I don't have any talents. Nobody likes me. I don't even like me. You know, like Eeyore. Oh, bother. There's a cloud hanging over. Oh, and just this dark cloud. And they walk into the room and you can feel the darkness coming along with them. 
speaking over their own lives? Do you say positive things about yourself? I never thought about that. Well, it's one of the reasons you have such a lousy self-image. Say positive things. Speak life. Your tongue, if you get this, I pray you get this. You get this. This will literally change your life. The power of life and death. Well, that's in God's hands. Yeah, but he's given some of that power to you. Is in what you say. How do you speak over your marriage? Oh, boy, do I hear versions of that. <laughs> death, 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 death. What do you speak life? Are you positive? Are you reassuring each other? I get it. Everybody irritates each other. I get that. <clears throat> it's marriage. <laughs> Joyful irritation. But in the midst of that irritation, you can start speaking death or you can speak life. What about of your children? Do you speak life over your children or do you speak death? I'm shocked at how many people I hear. Uh, and you don't have to raise your hands, and I'm sure there's a lot because I've heard it so much, so often. That they say, when I was growing up, the people closest to me, my grandfather, my uncle, my mother, my father, something would say things like, you're a nobody, you're a nothing, you're a disappointment, you're a failure, you'll never amount to anything. Oh my gosh. It's one of the reasons many of those who heard those things struggle so badly in life. Because nothing but death was spoken over them. And even when they succeed, they are convinced they're failing. Even when things are going well for them, they think it's just temporary because eventually it's going to fall apart. These are the people who will never take a risk, never invest in anything because surely it will fail. And they live in a constant state of darkness and death. They don't reach very high in life because people, sometimes teachers will do it. You know, you're, you're never going to accomplish anything. Because you got D's, you're nothing, you're nobody. <laughs> if you don't go to college, your life will be... How many times do you hear that? There are so many people who are absolutely dead on convinced because they haven't been to college, they can't succeed, and it is pure, unadulterated horse manure. Most of you guys have went to college. Amen. Talk about a racket. Listen, I'm, listen, I'm all for people who want to educate themselves, but some of this is just a racket to keep money pouring into the educational system. You want to become a doctor, lawyer, or something like that? Yeah, absolutely. But a lot of people that have gone to college, I'm stunned about that. You heard me say this over and over again. The number of people who go and raise up $100,000 in debt to get a political science degree. What is that? And if you got one, I don't want to hear it. Okay, just leave me alone. And then they go and they start a business. That has nothing to do with that. Or work at someplace. That has nothing to do with that. Why did you do it? Well, they told us we had to do it. And if you don't do it, you're nobody and you're nothing. There's people who are absolutely convinced because they didn't. But yet some of the wealth, you know some of the wealthiest people in the city of Green Bay. I don't know about you guys over there. Did not have a college education. There's one I can think of right off the top of the head. He dumped out about sixth grade, eighth grade, whatever. He is loaded up the wazoo in this city. God bless America. Because he didn't listen to this nonsense. I can succeed. No, you can't. Oh, yeah, I can. And he did. It's amazing. I'm telling you, it is fascinating. 
I always feel sorry for people like that. You know, I've told you many times, my, my mother always told us we were amazing, which was a bit of a stretch. Because <laughs> we were hellions. I know I've told you this before, but all the whole time we're raising up, you can do anything because you're a gunger. And I was at least 35 before it dawned on me. That didn't mean anything. <laughs> I'm not kidding you. I, and whenever I would fail, and you don't think I've had failures, man, I've had failures that would blow some of you away. You'd be crushed for life. Because, you know, something bad went, oh my gosh, some of the stupid things I've done. I have a PhD in stupid. <laughs> but when I was the most discouraged and the most low down, and for, I had the voice of my mother in my head still saying to me, get up, you can do anything. You're a gunner. And I go, yeah! Doesn't mean anything, but it still felt good. <laughs> and I'd always pull myself up, always pull myself up. Don't speak negative over your children, say nasty, icky things to them. And by the way, if you heard that, if you heard those kind of voices in your head when you were growing up, not in your head, but literally spoken over you, break some of that stuff. Start speaking life over yourself. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Nothing is possible to him who believes. I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. How do you get these thoughts? Reading the Bible. Read the scriptures. Say some of those things about yourself. These things apply to you. And they apply to me. Speak life. My mother said I couldn't do anything. I'd never be in anything. But Jesus says I am the child of God. Amen. Hallelujah. Good preaching, Pastor. You speak life and death over your job. Speak life and death over your in-laws. <laughs> I'm telling you, you start listening to it and watching for it, you will see. Now, James, in the third chapter of James, in his letter, he wrote this. We all stumble in many ways. <laughs> you think? In other words, everybody messes up. Everybody messes up. You think you don't mess up? You are delusional. You've already messed up because you're arrogant. <laughs> everybody messes up is what he's saying. And he says, anyone who's never at fault in what they say is perfect, able to keep their whole body in check. He's being facetious. What he's saying is everybody messes up, but everybody messes up mostly in what they say. When we put bits in the mouths of horses to make them obey us, we can turn the whole animal. Or we can take ships as an example. Though they are so large and driven by strong winds, they are steered by a very small rudder wherever the pilot wants to go. Likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boasts. Consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. The tongue is also a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole body. Why? Because it has the power of death, and most people fall into the death category with their words. It sets the whole course of one's life on fire, and it, is set, it's, uh, and it itself set on fire by hell. You want to mark your life up with the fire of hell. Just puke all that negative stuff out. All that bitterness, all that anger, all that criticism, all that. What you say is powerful. Now we're talking, trying to talk about prayer and prayer and what it means to be effective prayer. God spoke, spoke spoken words have great power. Life and death. God spoke life. Now I'll talk about this in the context of prayer. Now, in, in chapter 17 of, of John, it says, after Jesus said this, he looked 
toward heaven and he prayed, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your son that your son may glorify you. Now, there are many, many, many recorded prayers throughout the scriptures. Let me ask you a question. How do you think they recorded that? Because somebody said it. They heard him say it. When people prayed, they spoke their prayers. All right? What are we talking about? We're talking about effective prayer versus a prayer that's not nearly as effective. Effective prayer is spoken prayer. Why? There is something powerful in the spoken word. Your tongue has the power of life and death. God would speak. Things would happen. And when people prayed, they opened their mouths and they prayed to God. They talked. They didn't just think it. Now, the last time I preached a sermon, someone got mad as a heart. You said, I can't think my prayers. I ain't saying you can think whatever you want. I'm talking the difference between effective and ineffective prayer. You want to truly be effective. You want to pray the way the Bible teaches us. That's why we talk about saying your prayers. Well, I like to think my prayers. Okay, fine. I'm just showing you what the Bible teaches. John, the 11th chapter when Jesus was getting ready to raise Lazarus from the dead, they took away the stone. Jesus looked up and said. Everybody say said. He spoke it out. He said it. He said it out loud, talking to God, and they all heard him, and John remembered it, and he wrote it down. Luke, the 11th chapter, they came to him and said, Lord, teach us how to pray. How should we pray? How do we pray? And he said to them, when you pray say our father who art in heaven hallowed be thy name there's something powerful and the reason I'm talking about this is I'm really surprised I don't know how this we've gotten so far away from this it's amazing to me how many people don't pray their prayers they, they think them they get along quite and I'm, it's great to think thoughts to God and you, if you want to do that go ahead it's fine I'd rather have you do that than nothing but say your prayers. Talk to God. Why? Because there's something powerful about the spoken word. From the beginning, it was like this. And throughout the scriptures, when anybody would pray, they would pray out loud. When the Bible talks about speaking in tongues, and we're not going to get into the speaking in tongues thing. You know, people have some pretty strong opinions <laughs> one way or about that. One thing is clear. The New Testament definitely talks about speaking in tongues. And you'll notice they're praying in tongues. You can't think in tongues. You actually have to say it. Why? There's something powerful about saying it. Paul writes, he says, for if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays. He talks about how when you pray in the spirit like that, you're kind of charging yourself up. He says, but my mind's not fruitful. I don't know what I'm saying. So what am I going to do? He says, well, I will pray in the Spirit, talking about praying in tongues, and I will pray with my understanding. I'll still speak a language, speak it out, so that he can understand what he's saying. He said, I will sing with my spirit, and I'll also sing with my understanding. In a real true sense, and again, I, I want to be real careful. <laughs> I don't want people to get mad at me. It's just, you know, you don't think sing. Let's all think amazing grace. It's just not the same. There was a time in the Old Testament, 1 Samuel chapter 1, 
Talking about uh, Hannah, this lady who was desperately trying to have a baby. She kept on praying to the Lord. She's in the, at the temple praying, and Eli observed her mouth. Hannah was praying in her heart, uh, and her lips were not moving, but her lips were moving, but her voice was not heard. It's interesting how many, if you Google it, how many scholars say, well, this proves it's okay to just think your prayers. But they're taking it out of context. The context is exactly the opposite. Hannah was praying with her heart, and her lips were moving, but he couldn't hear her say anything. And his conclusion was, Eli thought she was drunk. And he said, how long are you going to stay drunk? Put away your wine, woman. It was so unusual to have someone sitting and praying and just barely moving their lips. He thought she was drunk. Why would she think? Because that's not how you pray. That's not how people pray. So can God hear that? God can hear anything. I'm just saying there's something powerful about speaking your prayers. Can I send prayers to God in my thoughts? Of course you can. But I would just question how effective that is. Why is it that everywhere else in the Bible they said it? Why does God talk about the power of the spoken word? Why is it when God released his greatest creative power, he said it? Well, Pastor, what about written prayers? People say, you know, you should write your prayers out. That's fine. I think it's great. You can really can think things through and get your wording just right. But my advice is after you write it, you got it all done, read it out loud. Say it to God. There's something very, very powerful in that. Now, again, if you don't want to do it, and I don't know why people don't want to do it. I'm not quite sure. Maybe they don't like the sound of their own voice. I don't know what it is. But all I'm saying is if you want to be more effective in prayer, I, just try it. Just try it. If nothing happens, no difference, then just ignore it. But there's something powerful about praying, talking out loud to God. It's a very powerful thing. Something else about prayer. When you pray, be specific. We're talking about effective prayer. Effective prayer is very specific. If your version of prayer is, oh God, just bless everybody and, and make everybody happy, amen. Okay, that's kind of a prayer. I'm not sure how effective that is. And the reason I say this is because I've seen the prayer requests here and at the different campuses and stuff like that. And oftentimes people will send in a prayer request that says, there's a guy who needs a thing. <laughs> now, I'm not trying to discourage you. I'm trying to encourage Be specific. What guy needs what thing? Even if you are specific, I think you ought to give him the name. Maybe some people, well, he probably doesn't want anybody to know. It's kind of hard to pray for somebody if you don't know. I got, there's a guy named Bob Phillips, and he, they say he's got brain cancer. We want to pray about that. Now you can start talking very specific. Specific prayer is powerful prayer. Try not to be so generic. Try to be very specific. You know what prayer is? Prayer is moving the hand of God. It's moving the hand. In a sense, prayer is asking God to do something that he wouldn't do but for you asking him. Think about that. You don't have to pray that the sun will rise up tomorrow. I bet you if nobody in the world pray the sun will rise, I bet you it's going to rise tomorrow. You don't need to pray about that. It's going to happen anyway. If God's going to already do it, you don't need to pray about it. There's things that God's going to do. The prayer is specifically saying, God, there's a need here. God, hear 
my prayer. Heaven, knocking on heaven. God, do a miracle for this person. Open up this opportunity. Turn this thing around. Show them that you're real. Show them that you care for them. Bob Phillips, whatever his name is. Be very specific. See what God will do. And then finally, before we have our time of our baptism and stuff here, uh, when you're praying with people, don't be afraid to ask questions. And I've talked about this before, and I just want to mention it again. I'm sure I'll mention it many more times in the years to come. Be uh, inquisitive. Find out what people are talking about, all for the reason of being uh, effective in prayer. And, and let me give you some examples. And I've given these examples before. You know, um, it was after a Wednesday night service, and there was a guy sitting there, everybody left, and he's sitting there, and he's a young guy, maybe 28, 29. He, he's crying. What got my attention, you know? Like, Dude, what's wrong? Man, I just feel so guilty. Will you pray with me? Do you know how many Christians would immediately pray, Father, I pray right now for my brother, that he not feel guilty? There is no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. The blood of Christ has forgiven us for all. Quote scriptures and pray all over him. Amen. You have just prayed an extremely ineffective prayer. He tells me he's guilty. I perked up my ears. Oh, yeah? Why? Well, you know, no. Why? Why do you feel guilty? Well, I, you know, I, I moved up here from Texas and, and, and I'm living with this lady and so he's having sex with this lady. He says, well, okay. I says, well, simple solution. Why don't you just marry the girl? Well, that's the problem, Pastor. She's already married. Oh, well, now we got something to pray about. How about we pray you stop committing adultery? How about we pray you stop taking someone else's wife? Pray that you repent and stop this nonsense. Now, without knowing any of that, the previous prayer that sounded so great is ineffective prayer. I don't know anything about this guy. I don't know what we're praying about. Person comes up to me and says, Pastor, we're really struggling in our finances. Would you pray for us? Oh, yeah, brother, we pray right now that the riches of heaven will be open to you, that God will bless you, and anything that you ask, you can receive it up. I could come up with this big, glorious, long-distance prayer. Pretty ineffective prayer. Why? Because I don't know what's going on. We're struggling financially. Really? Why is that? Well, you know, kind of having, having a hard time. Well, you got a pretty good job, don't you? Well, yeah. Your wife got a pretty good job? Yeah. What's the problem? Well, you know, we, we go to the casino a lot. <laughs> ah! And we lose lots of money. Oh! Well, now let's pray about that. Is this making any sense to you? One of the reasons, and I know sometimes, because especially over at Stevens Point, I don't know if anybody's even there. They're having horrible storms right now. It's coming our way. But I remember in Stevens Point, you know, we used to have, like many churches, evangelicals have, in the service where people just come forward for prayer. You see this, right? Everybody comes forward and they just pray for one after another and they just, for years, how can we don't do that anymore? How can we do that? Because to me, I think it's ineffective prayer. You know, people come up and say stuff like, 
you know, I'm really struggling financially. And you just pray all these blessings over them and you have no idea why they're struggling financially. Now, if there's a legitimate reason, then let's pray and let's ask God. If a person's feeling guilty just because he can't forget, you know, I came to Christ and I'm still struggling because I used to do a lot of bad things and I, I know I'm supposed to be forgiven. Well, now let's pray that. Now let's pray, you know, that there's no condemnation in Christ. Let's do those sorts of things. Someone's sick, someone comes up to me and says, I'm, I'm coughing and wheezing. I have such a hard time breathing. Well, why is that? Well, I, I, I smoke like three packs of cigarettes a day. Oh, let's pray about that. Do you hear me? I mean, that's not being mean. Just ask questions. You don't have to be crude or rude or nasty or anything. Just find what are you praying about? Why are they in the mess that they're in? The doctor says they're sick. Well, kind of sick, you know? And if it's private, personal, female stuff, talk to a lady. Don't go to some guy. <laughs> Tell him what the problem is so you can pray effectively. Say it. Trust God. Believe God. Stand on his word. Be specific. And ask questions so that we can pray effectively. I just, I'm, I'm grieved because I travel all over the country, all over the world. And it's just me, you know, because I'm apparently the only guy who thinks about this sort of stuff. But I always get grieved by someone in these services where they have those kinds of prayers. Because you get someone who's gambling and he comes up and he asks for financial help, and he sends away. Now he, he feels good about himself. You get some guys feeling guilty, and he's committing adultery. We just pray, oh, you don't need to feel guilty. God, just bless you. Now he walks away and feels good about himself. We're actually creating problems. There's no way you could possibly know what's going on to pray specifically. And one of the weirdest prayers, I don't, <laughs> I don't know how many of you have ever heard this one, an unspoken request. Anybody hear that? Have you ever heard that in churches where anybody here have an unspoken request? People raise their hand. How do we pray about that? It's not even spoken. I don't even know what it is. But they come forward. What do you, I have an unspoken request. Well, I know people, well, Lord, you know what the need is. Look, I'm just saying, if there's effective prayer, there has to be ineffective prayer. And as best as I can tell from this point in my life and seeing all these things, a lot of the stuff that we're doing is highly ineffective. Let's learn to be effective. Let's speak prayer in confidence. Let's be specific at our prayer requests, trusting God to do miracles and ask questions. Make sure that you're praying. The Bible says lay hands on no one suddenly. You ever wonder what that scripture means? I actually think now it means just don't grab somebody and pray for them right away. Find out what's going on. I'm struggling in my life. Well, why? Let's find out that kind of stuff so you can really help. This isn't to judge people and to knock people down. I guarantee you. That's ineffective. So, oh, oh you, you go to a casino, you're a filthy rotten No, 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 we don't do that. We pray for people, encourage people that they can do life right and use wisdom. Anyway, all right, that's all I got to say about all of that. Hopefully take some of these nuggets and Put them in your life, and let's start seeing more effective prayers and more answers to prayer. If you are about to get baptized, you should all be on that side. Is everybody over, over there? Pastor Bob and Pastor Joe in their sexy shorts <laughs> are going to be <laughs> baptized. I don't know about the campuses. If you're going to be watching this or if you want to break away and do your own thing, pray for each other. Fine, but pray effectively. Uh, and then... Uh, We'll see y'all Sunday morning. There we go.
Gardner. Pray that she just continues to grow, grow closer to you, in love with you, in love of people. God, thank you for moving in her life. And Sydney, by the confession of your faith and the word of your testimony, we baptize you now in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. her, Lord, as she continues in her walk with you, that Jesus would become very real to her every day, that, she, Lord, she would have the strength and the power and the ability to follow you all the days of her life. Now, Taylor, upon confession of your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, your desire to serve him and obey him all the days of your life, we baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Awesome. Woo. Congratulations. Father God, we thank you for Anthony. And Lord, we thank you for his life and his testimony, the work that you've done inside of him. Lord, we pray that he just continues to serve you and that you keep working in his life, that he gives all of himself to you and serves you all of his days. And Anthony, on the confession of your faith, desire to follow Jesus all the days of your life, we baptize you now in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Woo! Yes, sir! Have you uh, given your life to Jesus? Have you accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior? All right, let's pray for you. Father, we just come before you in Jesus' name. We pray for Henry. We thank you, Lord, that at his age, he's decided to follow you and serve you all the days of his life. We pray that you would walk with him as he walks with you. Fill him new and afresh every day with your Holy Spirit. Lord, give him encouragement. Lord, when his faith uh, is weak, and I pray, Lord, that he'd look to you every day as his Father, his Savior, his hope. And Lord, that you would shine through him by the power of your Holy Spirit. And Henry, upon confession of your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, your desire to serve him and obey him all the days of your life, we baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. That's awesome. Let's pray. God, we thank you for Nevada's life, that she has surrendered it to you. God, we thank you that you can do incredible things and you're watching over her, Lord. We pray that you would continue to serve you all of her days, surround her with great people of faith, and I pray that she would just continue to run after you confession of your faith and desire to serve Jesus all the days of your life. Nevada, we now baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit.
So Yvette, have you received Jesus as your Lord and Savior? I have. All right, let's pray for you. Father, we just lift up Yvette to you right now in your name. We ask you, Jesus, that you would touch her, bless her, Lord, as she expresses her testimony today to all of us through being baptized in water. May that testimony go deep into her heart, into her life, permeate her life, permeate her by your spirit, give her strength and blessing. And Lord Jesus, that she would shine your light everywhere that she goes. You've had upon confession of your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and your desire to serve him and obey him all the days of your life. We baptize you in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Awesome. That's right, we're short pastors tonight. Uh, what am I supposed to do? Oh, take the offering. Have the ushers come down. And we will take this evening's offering. Let us pray. Father, we are grateful for the many blessings that you bring into our lives and that we can turn around and bless others through giving. We pray that you bless these gifts that are offered up with joyful hearts. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, amen. amen. You pass those around. <laughs>